welcome to the Chapman CG Podcast, inspiring and informative conversations with top HR leaders from around the world. I'm here today with Magnus Hibbert um, in London with GlaxoSmithKline. Magnus is the Senior Vice President of Global HR Functions and HR Operations. Magnus, I've probably said that title completely wrong. Uh, what is your correct title? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure, Matt, Matt. I think you've caught the gist of it. I'm the, I'm the head of HR in GlaxoSmithKline for both are the HR lead for all of our central or global support functions, finance, IT, legal procurement. But I'm also the head of our global HR shared service organization, uh, supporting the different GSK businesses around the world. And very representative of what we're seeing across a lot of organizations, um, you know, both in the business, but particularly HR, of uh, people wearing multiple hats. So that pretty aptly describes your situation, Magnus. Yeah, I've got a hybrid role um, just by way of context. Uh, around 100,000 employees in GSK globally. Uh, around 10,000 of those are in the what we term the global support functions. So you know, finance people reporting functionally up through finance. And so that kind of ultimate HR business partner role is um, you know, pretty substantive with that size population with a global footprint. But certainly, um, uh, to have an understanding and affinity with how some of those other global functions work is then quite helpful when I've been asked to take on direct accountability for our own HR shared service op- uh, operations around the world because there are you know, clearly some links strategically or practically with how we in HR try to deliver our support to the businesses and how some of the other support functions do the same. So building a world-class HR operations structure is an elusive task for even the best companies around the world. Um, today, we're going to be talking to you, Magnus, about you know how you're doing at GSK, and I, I guess it's probably worth you just uh, bringing us up to speed with the journey that GSK has been taking, um, you know, so far in, in building this structure. Sure. Let me give you a, a sort of very quick version of the last five years. Um, which is it's probably five, six years ago, at a point at which we had a change in CHRO, um, that we took our first steps towards um, transitioning our HR function, which was around, uh, is around 1,700, 1,800 people globally, transitioning them from a historical structure that was very clearly reporting into and embedded in our different business areas to a function that reported into HR rather than the business, which was step one, but also then adopting some of the now very common um, three-circle model of HR business partner, uh, HR shared services and centers of excellence. So our, our journey of the last three or four years has been to put that type of three-circle model in place uh, across our function, delivering at the same time a level of cost management and efficiency. And it's probably been in the last 12, 18 months as we've looked forward over the next three to five years, having established some very solid foundations around that, that, that version of our model to say actually what should we be doing with our service delivery model moving forward in HR, which has led us to think quite differently um, about how we want to organize our shared service groups. Uh, and so what we're in the, currently in the middle of the process of doing is taking the uh, HR shared service groups that sit in each of the 80-plus markets around the world in which we operate, and rather than having them report into a number of different HR business partners or business leaders, they're actually now reporting into a single 
global HR operations function, which will have accountability for uh, HR support to all of the GSK businesses in the markets in which we operate, delivering the kind of tier zero, tier one, tier two activity um, uh, for those businesses, which includes the majority of generalist and recruitment support that I'm sure exists in many other businesses and organizations. And so moving to that more globalized structure, um, along with a recent investment in Workday as a common HRIS platform, gives us for the first time the opportunity to deliver our activity in a more joined up way globally, regionally and locally, but also gives us a chance to start looking at the kind of customer experience we want to deliver to our businesses and how we want to drive a level of efficiency into that system and a level of cost management. So obvious question, what have you decided stays in operations and what have you decided is outside? Okay, so let me try and give a sense of scale. Um, of the roughly uh, 1,600 people in HR, um, uh, approximately um, 15%, uh, 15 to 20% of those heads will be in centers of excellence moving forward, that centers of excellence for reward, um, a talent and organizational development. Um, and about the other 20% of those heads will be in HR business partner roles embedded in some of our most senior and strategic leadership teams across the different business areas in which we operate. What that means um, as a result is that roughly two thirds, 60%, uh, just over a thousand of our HR folks will be in that global HR operations group moving forward, covering all but our eight biggest markets in one combined team. And so let me let me bring that to life another way, which is that if you're a general manager uh, of one of our pharma businesses in a market such as Malaysia or uh, a market such as um, uh, Holland then um, basically there we will have a country head of HR uh, with a team in market delivering um, uh, a one-stop shop for all HR support to that leader and their team and their employees and managers in that market. And that um, HR shared service group will report into a country head of HR who will in turn report into a regional head of HR operations that will in turn report into our global HR operations structure. Um, and that really will be a full service offering from employee relations to restructuring to recruitment, um, as well as some of the transactional um, tier one, tier zero support that sits behind it. So in, in, in making this work, um, what has been the role of, um, I guess, data analytics or the growing um, trend around analyzing um, data um, You know, at, at GSK? Um, have there been any have there been any lessons or insights um, on this subject? Certainly a key enabler for us to be able to even consider what we're now doing has been to put in place a single, um, you know, a single HR systems platform. And we've chosen to use Workday for that purpose. And by December this year, we'll have that in place in all markets in which we operate. And actually that sounds very basic, um, but actually, uh, is a key foundation for us having a better handle on our management information, never mind the broader benefits of a common system. And so with that, with that foundation pretty much established now, we are already as a result of that system able to offer a better level of management information to ourselves as the function, 
as well as to our customers uh, than we'd been able to before, where data was on multiple fragmented systems uh, and so very, very limited. What we are recognizing actually in the short to medium term is that there is going to continue to be a need for us to deliver robust and improved management reporting to our leaders, managers, employees, and indeed our own function. Leveraging Workday and some of the other uh, quite basic data sources that we have and presenting it back in, in digestible ways. But the trick, and I think this is where many organizations are starting to focus, is how can we start to move from basic management reporting into true analytics and potentially ultimately more predictive analytics. And so with, we, we have a small team that we've created and we will probably um, evolve over time to try and not be distracted by management reporting, but rather focus on marrying um, some of the HR or people data with some of our commercial performance data or employee insight and engagement data to start to understand more about opportunities we have to drive better business outcomes through predictive analytics, marrying that commercial and people data together. You know, for example, at its most basic level, um, how could we get better at trying to predict where we may have employee turnover uh, in advance of it actually happening? How could we link employee survey or engagement data with commercial performance? Uh, or indeed how that links to leader or manager individual capability through 360 or other feedback tools. It, it, it's how to join those dots that we and many other organizations are, are currently trying to work through. And we're starting with a, a, a small, relatively small team, half a dozen people or so, who are work, starting to work through uh, how we can approach some of those questions. And I do think that will be a significant upside in terms of how the function can support the businesses. I was curious to ask the question from a career planning perspective, and it's a question often asked um, within the HR profession around, you know, the operations, HR operations career path versus, I guess, non-HR operations career path. How within GSK have you um, sought to make um, the operations uh, career path attractive? Yeah, and it's, um, I, don't, I don't, I suspect we haven't fully um, uh, resolved some of the history and perceptions around that. Of course, HR operations is, used to label different types of, of, of teams or levels of activity in different businesses. And actually, I think HR operations or HR shared services carries with it um, a perception of very transactional back office, uh, ad almost administrative work. Um, what, what we've tried to be very clear with our model and within GSK is that HR operations actually is the um, part of our function which um, is actually the, the contact with HR that 90% of our employees have at any point in their career. It is the first point of contact and it is probably the only point of contact for the majority of our population. And actually it does include those transactional activities such as payroll and data management, but it includes in the value chain activities all the way up through you know, sitting and partnering with relatively senior leaders in our organization around how they will deploy their people strategies, as well as managing, um, you know, local and multi-country restructure, as well as having direct accountability for both proactive recruitment uh, and resourcing, um, as well as aspects of, you know, graduate and talent pipelining. So in our organization, it, it spans quite a long way up the value chain towards what I'd term tier three 
uh, type activity. And I think what we tried to do is to make it clear to folks within our function that actually, you know, many, many people can have very um, uh, diverse, broad careers within that HR operation print without necessarily needing to think about an experience in the center of excellence or indeed in an HR business leader position. Um, clearly, there will be individuals of particular uh, high performance or potential that will be very deliberate in trying to get that kind of breadth across the different circles of the model. But as we, to some extent, expand our shared service group and um, are very clear about the boundaries of centers of excellence or HRBL roles, those increasingly require a high level of experience or expertise which um, really we can build in a proportion of our HR services teams, but actually the, the, the careers and aspirations and ambitions of many people, I suspect will be with and remain within HR operations. And I think I'm just trying to break a little bit of the history and the perception of HR operations equals administrative and almost a glass ceiling, um, because actually in, this, in an organizational structure of the size that I've described, um, uh, people will be able to establish long and fulfilling careers without worrying about, to some extent, the other circles of the model. It's a very good point. You've made some very good points there, Magnus. I think what I've um, really seen with organisations that have done this successfully is it's been very important some of the stars that they've put into the operations team, um, you know, from around um, the HR organisation. And um, you know, when these people are part of that team, people start to get the message that the operations team is, is not a backwater. It's actually a place where, you know, some of the best talent um, within the organization are being sent to develop their skills further. I think that's a great point, Matt. I mean, I've, we've been very deliberate in populating our global ops leadership team, and indeed our head of global ops on my team, with, you know, folks coming from the COEs, um, recognized senior leaders from the HRBL community, so that we are demonstrating that, um, you know, the breadth, <laughs> Um, is uh, is of help as people step into our space, but I'm also going to be very keen to make sure we have some you know, high profile and very deliberate moves outside of ops into the other circles of the model, or indeed in and out of our business areas, to make sure that we are, are our words are backed up by action over the next couple of years. So to conclude, Magnus, um, you know, based on your experience at, at GSK, what are some lessons you'd offer for companies, um, you know, considering? Uh, taking their HR operations structure globally to the to the next level. Yeah, I I think one of the things to reflect on is that because um, HR HR operations is really the the shop window um, to the vast majority of your employee base, I think organisations need to be super thoughtful around what uh, what service delivery model they want to create and how that really speaks to employees about. Um, the role of HR and how HR plays a role in supporting the businesses, but also supporting leaders, managers, and employees. We, we, we've taken a view when we're looking at evolving our uh, service delivery model that we've, we're really putting um, improving the customer experience and delivering improved customer service at the heart of the decisions we've made around our model and at the heart of the decisions we'll make moving forward about any changes which is quite markedly different from those who may primarily have a cost driver as they think about their HR delivery model. And I think that has a, a, an inevitable effect on the experience of employees in working with or being supported by the function. 
to bring to life a little bit more around the, the customer experience points, we're, we're basically using customer experience and being able to improve that as, sort of, as the primary criteria around which we will make any decisions such as, you know, if we were to consider lifting activity, HR activity out of a market to deliver it regionally or globally, we'd only do that if we can be confident it can improve the customer experience. Similarly, in considering the role of third parties or potentially outsourcing activity, again, we'll only consider that moving forward if we can be confident around improving the customer experience by doing so. And those are quite high bars, quite high hurdles to step across uh, when you have historically a fundamentally in-country captive model. Um, but that's going to be our, I guess, our true north as we work our way through over the next three to five years. And in talking to other organizations, I'm not sure that that customer experience um, criteria is given uh, as significant a weighting uh, versus efficiency or cost management. And I would just encourage other organizations to be very clear about um, what they mean by customer experience and how they want to project that customer experience through their model and use that to inform some of the difficult decisions that we all have to make. Um, I think that for us gets to the heart of our version of world-class operations, which isn't one that's necessarily driven by being the cheapest or having the highest ratios, or indeed being able to demonstrate you know, game-changing regional business center activity, but rather one that says our customers and our businesses feel well-supported by the service delivery model of the function and by the ways of working and the attitude and the behaviors of the people in the function that they interact with. And that for us hopefully will be our, our winning formula over the next three to three to five years. And that was Magnus Hibbert, Global Head of HR Shared Services at GlaxoSmithKline in London, talking about developing world-class HR operations. For more excellent conversations from Chapman CG, follow our podcast series or check us out at chapmancg.com.